what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome to The Hustle Sold Separately. We are a podcast dedicated to all of you guys out there, the doers, creators, entrepreneurs, CEOs, hustlers, artists, musicians, uh, people really, you know, I, I like to say people in and out of the box, right? They're, they're, they think way outside of the box. They're doing their own thing. You're probably <laughs> misunderstood at times, as I say. Or, um, you know, you're just trying things differently. And I always say that on this podcast, that's exactly the type of guests that we, you know, bring on the show. And the type of topics that we talk about is we think way, way, way outside the box. We don't do anything conventional or status quo. And quite frankly, we're always pushing the boundaries both of the external world and also, most importantly, of ourselves. So we welcome those types of conversations here every single week. And uh, I also want to extend a huge, huge thank you guys. The show has been uh, increasingly growing incredibly fast. And uh, we have a lot of new listeners. Uh, To my old listeners, I appreciate you guys being there since day one. To my new listeners, thank you and welcome for being here. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, If you want to learn a little bit more about me and my background, you can join me at Matt Gottesman on Instagram. Um, You can, you know, reach out to me directly through DM, text, however you feel like it. If you want to get in the conversation at the intersection of culture and creativity and entrepreneurship, you can join the conversation over at at HDF Magazine on Instagram because that's where it all started. And of course, you can also follow at Hustle Sold separately. And, uh, you know, for those of the new listeners, I always say this, like, we don't glamorize or glorify success here. I, I believe success is very individualized. It's up to you. There's no end, end date of where you should be or shouldn't be. There's, you know, nothing that says that how success should look like to you. Uh, and often at times, I think media can sometimes glamorize that a little bit when we look at quote unquote success stories. And I don't think that that should cloud your judgment on what's best for you and, and, what you want to pursue and what makes the most sense to you when you're using your internal, you know, GPS, your your gut, right? Which we're going to talk a little bit about that today uh, with an incredible guest who I um, I met but didn't meet <laughs> probably about eight or nine years ago. Uh, Howard Linson, uh, he's the he's an entrepreneur, a serial serial entrepreneur, co-founder and chairman of Stock Twits, uh, an investor and an author and. And uh, an incredible blogger and writer and uh, very raw, very real, which I really appreciate. Uh, and, um, you know, he's also friends with one of our past guests, Brad Feld, which his episode went live. So be sure to check that out as well, too. And we're going to be talking about making, well, we're going to talk about a variety of things. Howard is just like the flow of the show with other guests. And as you guys know, um, off cuff and, uh, you know, no scripts here. And we're just going to kind of flow on a, on a variety of topics, especially given his vast background. But really looking at several areas, key to making good decisions, right? Um, Personally, professionally, um, investing in the right people um, and not kind of following sometimes these (laughs) these guides online and these gurus online that say, like, this is the only way to do it. And you should look at these you know, spreadsheets and, and these projections and these things only because it's really about the people. And I know Howard's very passionate about that. 
Um, and just to give you a little bit of context of his background, uh, as I mentioned, a prolific blogger, serial entrepreneur. Um, Stock Twits is a tw uh, Twitter for traders. Uh, it's his crown jewel. He's founder and general partner at Social Leverage, which is an eclectic seed fund. Uh, and he typically finds entrepreneurs before they find him. So if any of you are listening uh, and you're wanting to talk to him, he probably already has you on a list somewhere, <laughs> potentially. Um, he really likes founders who just show grit, solve problems, and won't crumble uh, in chaos, um, and tends to ignore the business news, TV, and spreadsheet-based decisions. We're gonna talk about that. His fund's average investment is about 600000 uh, and you know, going way back in the summer of 2006, he created Wall Strip and was aired over 300 episodes. And then in May of 2007, uh, that was actually purchased by CBS. And he's just constantly been focused on the innovation in personal finance and do-it-yourself investing. Uh, so please be sure to go to howardlinson.com. He's got some great uh, tools and resources there. Makes early stage investments through social leverage, as I mentioned, and he writes books and occasionally does interviews. Uh, born in Toronto, resides here in Phoenix, Arizona. Married 23 years, uh, has two awesome kids and Dachins, um, and one unfortunately passed away recently. And uh, schools that he attended and graduated from include University of Western Ontario, Arizona State University, uh, which I will not hold him against him for that because for, I'm a U of A Wildcat. But he did go to um, uh, Thunderbird School of Global Management, which is what I also went to. And that's how I was able to be uh, exposed to his um, you know, vast experience and uh golfing and cycling part of his 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 activities and uh he's in the pursuit of the perfect sleep solution which i might have that for him but we'll have to talk about that <laughs> howard how's it going man i appreciate you being on the show hello yeah man uh, thank you i hope i hope that intro did you some justice and uh you know i i know that there's so probably so much more context so i always say the first question is the same you know you've got this crazy cool uh experienced life that you've led and a lot of things that have happened but um for more context like uh, you can go as far back as you'd like but how did we get here and you're doing all of these really cool things whatever you want to share um you know oof, the uh you know i got here by obviously taking some risk uh, being curious so so uh you know i i got lucky to to have a creative, curious brain. Um, but you know, it's never, never smooth. You know, I was, <laughs> as a kid, I was more of anxious, I guess, you know, kind of left alone a lot, uh, insecure, watched a lot of TV, had to, you know, grew up. Parents were, well, we were wealthy, so, you know, we're middle, upper middle class, at least to start. And I had a TV in my room. I don't know. Most kids probably didn't have TV in the room in, in the 1970s. And I, no one looked after me. No, no one watched over me. So I'd be watching late night television, you know, Johnny Carson, listening to all the comedians on Johnny Carson. I was like eight years old and laughing my ass off. So I think that kind of shaped my you know, fantasy slash early life. You know, I'm going to be an entertainer. So I was always kind of the goofball in class and at family events. So I did some stand-up in high school and um, just did what every middle-class Jewish kid from Toronto does. You got to be a lawyer. You got to go to college. You got to be a lawyer, <laughs> doctor, accountant. And um, was on that path. Uh, went to ASU for graduate school. You know, went to Western Ontario in London. But... You know, along the way, I just kind of just did not want to be a regular 
one of those three options, you know, moved away from Toronto, which most kids didn't do. The community there is pretty strong and loved the desert. And that kind of was a big decision. You know, I think Warren Buffett says you make 10 or 15 big decisions. I think moving to the States was at a young age was a big decision. And then staying in the desert, you know, when I had all this education and experience and opportunity and you know, getting my green card was a big decision. Um, and then just dropping everything, just going into sales, you know, back then there was no, you know, indeed or or internet right there was no job sites you went in the newspaper and looked up jobs and circled them and put on a suit and went for a job even with my mba it was 1990 and the recession uh was just ended didn't know much about the economy or recessions even though i had an mba you just go out into the world and you're not <laughs> i don't understand the macro and um the got my first job at the brokerage i needed to get a job to get my green card so you know just those decisions were were major and uh worked just didn't love the cold calling and made the switch um to the other side i cold called a person um he pitched me on his company mark scatterday a phoenix guy and um ended up dropping out of the brokerage business. And, and this is the next big decision is just quitting rather quickly on a success path to being a stockbroker and going to be an entrepreneur, putting some skin in the game and going to be a pre-internet entrepreneur, which, you know, I don't think being an entrepreneur was cool until computers came around. And um, that really, you know, the, the, late 80s early 90s if you watch halt and catch fire which was like one of my new was really now top 10 favorite show of mine it really it really lays that in really puts that back together because halt and catch fire i didn't even know it was such a good show mark andreessen had said years ago to watch it and i just recently watched it and it just tied in so many things that personal computer which eventually led to the internet and the cloud has really just getting in on that trend without really understanding why and being an entrepreneur during the internet era, early, early internet era, kind of, a t and we weren't directly in it. We were attached to it, selling the least technical product of all time, the grip, which was the company that I had cold called, which was a stress ball really was, you know, just luck. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it put me on a path to just kind of be like halt and catch fire. Right. I wasn't ever selling hardware in the computers. We had our, we had a hardware product, the grip and, Computers made carpal tunnel syndrome, something that gave us a big industry for this stupid squeeze ball. But, you know, it was just from the 80s on, I was in that industry. And uh, obviously, with the rise of computers has been the rise of entrepreneurship at a scale that the world had never seen. You know, maybe industrial revolution, but, you know, now we're at this era where like a power of like a one person company, whether it's you or me, everybody has can have like a hundred super fans and make money off their super fans. Uh, if they're, you know, uh, Steve Martin said in the movie, the jerk, you know, the, your special purpose. I think now's the greatest time ever to have a special purpose and, you know, stay lean, uh, build a big, you know, business just around yourself. I mean, that's, that's, 
I think that's the era that we're in right now and COVID kind of pushed that along. So, so kind of luck, but just staying with this trend of, you know, when the personal computer came around and it's just so many people and so much time to market and hardware and the trade shows and the comdex to the point now with TikTok and Twitter and Snapchat and, you know, some time at home and uh, your phone, you can be, you can get rich. So that is an amazing transformation. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are today. You know, I, I love that you bring that up because uh, especially when you reference COVID sort of like pushing that if it wasn't already understood. Sometimes I feel like, because, uh, you know, people like us, we've been online for years. You've been online even longer. Um, and uh, I've tried to push some of that narrative and it's interesting. I, I feel like some of the people who, because of COVID, now are just coming on. And when they say things like, um, are, you, are you familiar with this Zoom thing? And you're like, okay. It's like when the people said, like, hey, are you familiar with email? Like, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, COVID is a global wave, a tsunami. Yes. So so the wave is, I, can't, I don't know if I figured this out yet. Is it, is it tech or the COVID, right? So you have this wave. And unfortunately, you know, the wave the last big tsunami wiped out so many people in one small area but this is what we have we have this massive wave of tech coming and then you have this health scare that just is squash you know i don't know what it is if it's you know nature combined with bad management obviously combined with misinformation but you know it's attacking a certain segment of the population and uh, with that, the unintended circumstances was something that was coming, right? And this just, unfortunately, for some, sped it up. And I didn't predict it, but it is a tsunami that the trend was happening, you know, and you were watching it and you were like, ooh, that's interesting. This water's coming. Like, I've never seen that before. And then it hits. And what is it? Uh Amazon 10 to 1 at their size quarter and Zoom is, I don't know, the best quarter in history. And this, and, and we're talking about on, on scale. This isn't like a quarter that right. went from, you know, 10,000 of sales to, a, uh, you know, 100,000 of sales. This is a, um, this is a, uh, where Amazon's already in, you know, a trillion dollar company and growing faster than ever. So, that's that's just fascinating yeah well i and i i feel like um it forces a lot of uh innovation which throughout history crises have um because adaptation um that which i was afraid of changed before now i have to think through it and utilize and leverage it or think differently um i you know when that survival and creativity have that intersection, <laughs> you know, you, you start to, um, you know, move different, but to your point, yes. When you look at like the zooms of the world, I mean, <clears throat> what was it? I had like, um, I think it had like 3 million up to it, it, it had total like 3 million as of last year and then like catapulted to several hundred million users <laughs> within, within a quarter, that magnitude of, uh, shift is, um, is huge and 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 I what I liked about it is it demonstrated the possibilities to a lot of people because I think it also pushed the idea of <clears throat> oh is this how you can educate differently online yes and bringing the classroom I mean I'm not a parent so I I know I'm not one to speak on this but 
to bring what was normally done in the classroom in the physical world and bring it online. I'm like, there's a shift. You can't just say like, here's how I taught in the regular world and now I'm just gonna bring it online. That was already a weirdly failing institute anyways. But that like, you know, it now forces you to be like very direct and very creative and very engaging when you teach online. Um, But there's possibilities where, you know, you can reduce costs and you can um, leverage scale and you can teach very specific topics and you can go way far out there. So I think it started to push the envelope in these different industries of what's possible, um, you know, that we're, that we're living through. Um, and that's just, that's just with zoom. I mean, let alone your, your other points about, um, the internet and being able to have these one person companies. Do you feel like, um, and the ultimate one person company has always been the thing, whether you're at a sure. hedge fund manager scale is the thing, right? You know, yeah. obviously some people want to be Kings and some people want to be servants or, or, you know, I, I Kings and pawns. Yeah. And I think we've entered this era where people need to, I've always said people will be happy if they can. Brad Feld and I talk about, we're actually going to talk, it's, you know, managing expectations. You know, if you tell your help, if you tell your clients, you're going to make a hundred percent, you've just added pressure to the whole system, right? Mm-hmm. Expectations, you know, and anxiety and all these things is, you know, creates all these, these stresses in the system. And, you know, for the, for me, it's, you know, knowing where you are and, you know, the faster you kind of can be honest with yourself, whether that's journaling, you know, for me, it was journaling and whether it's, you know, finding mentors, journaling and mentorship are like the two big things that have, you know, other than moving to Arizona, picking my wife, you know, having my two kids, you know, making the cold call to to mark and getting in that first entrepreneurial business but you know finding great mentors and then writing shit down there's just not many more things if you do all those things mm. if you just journal and 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 find good mentors um the uh life can move a lot faster for you and never has it been easier because everybody's journals connected if they want right you know? Yeah, Brad. Brad talked about the the power of peer mentorship. Um, finding somebody that not only can you learn from, but that you can grow together, sharing ideas and um, you know, in a sense, learning from each other. You know, the younger bringing on some of the you know the new things they're not thought of, but you know, listening to the older, more experienced <laughs> individual that can guide them through things in it and i think it does simplify things if you a can find really good people to guide you and you can be humble enough and have humility to listen and and uh be grateful and then gratitude journaling um on year seven so i get it um i think it brings clarity actually i think uh when you um when you journal you're able to um take time to actually think about things and slow down i think that people have a problem with slowing down i don't know if that's a you know uh, I've, I've learned yeah. slowing down to speed up. Yeah. I mean, anyway, everybody's different. Everybody's wired differently. Right. Everybody's got different chemicals. You know, I'm just, you know, I just got, you've got to be, the sooner you can be true to your, to yourself. It's not easy. Some people just don't have money and they got stress from money. I mean, I don't know, you know, I've had that in my life, but so I don't think you can make the best decisions when you're worried about month to month living. So don't get me wrong. And then, you know, they don't have the right partner. Um, so it's not simple. 
I'm just saying once you get on some kind of good path uh, or to get yourself on a good path, it's important to go seek the right mentorship. And uh, it's not easy. So what I always tell people is they should pay for it. You know, if you like investing, go pay for a coach. If you like golf, pay for a coach. Uh, and if that means you got to work harder uh, and make some mistakes along the way of picking the right coach, I mean, everybody you know, needs to focus on, you know, I, I joke because, uh, you know, my background is that special purpose. And um, and so fine tuning that, whether you're journaling for yourself in a book with a pen or journaling and sharing uh, is, is key. You know, I, th I feel like if uh, investing in a, in a coach in any field is worth its weight in gold it's uh and i like that you said that you know if that's hard to do you know find a way to make that happen um i just i feel like when you put any kind of skin in the game it it levels up your um presence in terms of hey i'm paying for this you know so um a i i'm investing in myself i'm investing in somebody else and i'm worth it so it says a lot about your worthiness you know feeling like you're worthy and that you know and that you're going to be very present and that you're going to say, hey, listen, like I, I'm paying to be here. I show like I'm serious and I want to learn. And I feel like that's just way different. I mean, I, you know, I've I've seen and witnessed like what happens when you don't, <laughs> you know, you tend to kind of be like, oh, I got to reschedule. Oh, I got to this, I got that. So that you really, you know, you're not really respecting the, the, the energy of what this, you know, the relationship is, I think. At least that's what I've yeah. seen. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, so like now you through, um, you know, through the, the, uh, social leverage and just in general, you've been investing in people for quite some time. That's, there's a lot of companies on there. Um, I like that, you know, and I was reading a couple of different articles, um, and, you know, and then it was mentioning, you know, as well in your, in your bio about this kind of like, just let's just ignore business news TV, which I'm, I'm grateful that you say, cause I would love for you to go down that rabbit hole of, um, I think media and, and even just traditional business paradigms, I think sometimes just don't, um, they're not, uh, and Brad and I, I think talked a little bit about this too, is that like, cause they're, they're also not always operating from an internal, um, healthier narrative and, and a very good self-loving place. <laughs> they're more, for, more so driven by fears. Um, and then, you know, you also mentioned, you know, ignoring some spread, uh, spreadsheet based decisions and like, you know, that's not what you're looking for when you're looking in, in founders. And I would love, because we have a very entrepreneurial following, I would love for them to hear like this important distinction between like, I'm not so concerned necessarily about these things that label the, you know, that you should have, but I'm more important about you. And how do you, how do you um, decipher between? Um, yeah, it's a hard one. Like what, like, um, you can go any direction you want. <laughs> just give me that one more time. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're looking, okay. So like people that you're looking for, uh, what attracts you to them when they're building a business? Because we know that they're going to pivot and we know that it may or may not stay the same or, or at least the, the same vision. What are you looking right. for when you invest in these people? Uh, like what's, what, and what's happening with the connections with these people that you're like, you know what, that person right there, like, I like that person. I like what's happening over there. And I, I want to invest in this individual. Got it. Um, well, it's harder. Obviously it's a people business at my stage, right? Like even at, even at the high, I, I invest in two things and I think they're very connected public companies and high late stage growth, overvalued column momentum, 
public stocks and, and generally founder-led companies at that end of the spectrum are the same people that started the company. So that is a connection that, you know, whether obviously Tim Cook took over for Steve Jobs and, you know, Nike's not run anymore by night. But, you know, you look down the line at uh, um, the companies on my list, it's Google, it's Apple, it's Facebook, um, you know, Netflix with Reed Hoffman. If I go through my eight to 80 list of stocks that I talk about and own, um, it's those people are still running the companies. Mm. Someone, so I'm spotting them later. So it's, you know, kudos to the people that spotted them first. So, you know, in my, in my, if I look at the success, I, I don't know if I should look at the failures except, but if I look at the ones that really worked and got public, Brett Wilson at Two Mogul, um, got bought by Adobe, but uh, ran it right through the acquisition, and Todd Davis at LifeLock, you know, seed investor, ran it uh, right to IPO and acquisition uh, by Symantec. Uh, Robinhood looks next, likely to go public. Vladen Baju are um, the founders there. And then maybe customer one day soon, you know, the founder, Brad, uh, mm-hmm. has, has been there since day one. So obviously it's, it's the founder, uh, where I have had success is, you know, you look at so many public companies with the, I mean, you start putting it together. It's like somebody with incredible vision, uh, generally scratching an itch that just has bothered them forever. Right. Um, you know, Apple was computers and with Baiju and Vlad, it was just, you know, getting the friction out of the trade. They were high frequency traders before that. Um, so they understood the problems. They had the wrong business model and they pivoted. So they really have to have something in their grill and some domain experience going into it. Because why do something for 20 years if you just don't love it? Right. So, so domain experience is key and not talked about enough on top of the people. So the best people just so mad like me with wall strip or me with stock twitch you know i haven't been able to build a huge company on my own uh, but those are other issues but like in terms of vision and willing to work on a problem forever it's because i saw holes in an industry that i loved and was part of so i think that's the key what do you think's missing from because you you mentioned that um you know that's not that uh, domain experience isn't talked uh, uh, enough, and I I completely agree with you. What do you think is is that one of many things? That's well, if you're 20 years old and that's what Silicon Valley wants, how do you have domain experience? Yeah, like it's new. So I think it's harder. Um, and yet we live in a time with ageism because technology came in. So even if you know the industry well, if you're not a technologist, you're at a disadvantage. So it's a really interesting time because you want to back people with domain experience but they don't know how to use all the tools because they're coming out of goldman or whatever so so you know we're at this inflection point so for a while there if it wasn't an engineer why back it now in an era where maybe you don't have to code as well because it's all about marketing and 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 you know having a an edge into something a wedge uh, I'm not sure, but there's a period there for the last five six years like shit if they can't code why are we backing that person you know, it's just, you know, what I learned from starting my own company is and not having the confidence is because I couldn't code. Therefore, it's like an en- it's like someone with cars. Like if you didn't know how to fix the engine, like what you know, what are you gonna do? You're gonna get ripped off all the time. Right? Yeah. 
And so I think that the, the, you have to have, be a great sales and marketer, or you have to be able to code and design like hell Yep. <laughs> to go start a company. Otherwise just do your special purpose and go work for somebody. And, you know, like I said, get aboard a rocket ship. So, so, so I think going forward, it's like the Excel is no longer important, right? That's you hire a, it's a machine, somebody, it's a kid and it's a, you know, like literally a, a number slave, right? And so that all, the complexity of the spreadsheet gets higher, the complexity of the code needs to get hired. So, so now it's all about sales, marketing, design, and, uh, you know, um, less about the engineering. But for a while there was all about engineering. Yeah. And, you know, great engineers will still can start companies and sell them to, to, to the big five. But I can't. Uh, compete in that space. So I stick to, you know, founders that have tremendous domain experience and, and either uh, can put together a great team to fill in their weaknesses or have those, you know, special, you know, skills. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I So at 41, I started at about 99, well, 95, 96, if we're talking AOL. <laughs> but I started at, you know, about around 99, 2000. And I I saw how heavy it waited for a long time in the um, engineering and the and the, you know the back end side, and I see it's still very very relevant. But I see what you're saying about the sales and marketing side because um, I that's that was a massive shift over the last you know five seven years for me. And it's interesting how it's so tied though to tech. Uh, it, I mean, it's all tech, <laughs> but um, and how it allows you to your point about domain experience, getting under the hood of the car. Like the only way I'm able to to be able to do any of these growth marketing techniques is to like literally rip open um, the back end, um, you know, customer experience and see at every single touch point how it's being, how it's tracked, how it's converting, you know, all these other things. Um, but if I wasn't in the garage, you know, being able to understand that I wouldn't be able to delegate, uh, if I needed additional help. So I like that your also point is that, you know, it's like, have, <laughs> if you, you're investing in somebody who's like about cars, but they've never actually worked on the engine. I, I heard a long time ago, it was like, you can't delegate what you don't understand. And I think that you have to kind of really get under the hood mm. and understand it for a while. So you can go, I'm good at this. So like, I have like a right hand person that I go to right now with, with like a lot of the funnel work and stuff like that. And she gets my blind spots because she's been doing it longer. And she, that's her, that really is her domain experience. I just was doing it for myself and I'm like, Hey, I got to get somebody. And then I formed a team, but I'm like, you do this really well. <laughs> I'm like, so help me see what I don't see. And then she well, look at square. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look at Twitter, look at square, like, but you know, talk to different Jack's spending all his time at square at Twitter and I don't know why all the money is at Square, but he built this team at Square and they're just killing it. So at least he's not getting in their way. And at Twitter, no one can get out of their way. So, mm. you know, they're, they're so complicated. I try, listen, the reason I'm excited about seed and late stage growth, it's the same people. Yeah, I'm not buying, I'm not going down the exact list at Netflix and seeing who's running who, right? It still comes down to Reed Hastings and him vision, positioning the company. Right. They're just overvalued at the early stage. I think I'm looking the things are everything's worth zero when I invest in it. That's the sex appeal of it. And the founder will will make it happen. Uh, and the same state, same damn stuff at the late stage it comes down from the top because these stocks are momentum based. Everybody's looking at the founder still not to screw up. 
generally they got to have a good business too. And generally right now that's a digital business. So you got, you know, you start building a list of things first. There's a lot of great founder led companies that aren't in tech and they, and they don't interest me because they just don't have the scale and margins. So, you know, you've got to like curate, 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 but it's fascinating to me um, that I can leave out all the grind of the middle years, you know, and make a living at the, what I think are the funnest parts, you know, on the very liquid side where I can change my mind the next day, you know, mm. because it's liquid or on the early stage stuff where I'm partners with the founder and we're in it. And hopefully I pick the right person because I can't run their business. All right. Well, and interesting when you bring up about some of these, the later stage, um, you also get to see their character journey throughout the whole thing. So you're mm -hmm. seeing their vision, then you're also seeing like how they're handling things along the way and how they're able to adapt and how they're, you know, how they're still involved and, um, you know, and how they're running things. And I think that gives you a good temper. There's, there's a, there's a timeline of experience that you can gauge off of that wouldn't be, I would think as hard to, you know, uh, predict, <laughs> you know, it's a track record versus when you see, you know, somebody that's like a hot new tech startup, like, yeah, but that could go really either way. And like, do we know if this dude's going to like, or, or a gal is going to, you know, run out and do something crazy or, <laughs> you know, or just like, uh, end up somewhere doing something in their personal lives. I mean, I, I feel like I, I can see the, the strategy in, in going after the later stage because they, there's just a track record, both personally and professionally at that point. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, and then, uh, with, with some of these, when you get some of these earlier stage companies, do they, is there this great like mentorship part embedded in there? Cause you, there's the part where you're not, you don't, there's no micromanagement, there's not trying to get involved, but you're, um, but they feel very connected to you to be able to, you know, to, for that, for that ongoing guidance, like, is there like that kind of relationship between you and these early stage companies that you invest in? You hope, right? Like uh, so many things can go wrong, you know, egos, uh, yeah. trauma, um, the odds of these things working. It's just amazing. Like people lie to themselves mm -hmm. just like in everything to believe they can do this. That's, it's a trick. It's all a mind trick, right? And the mind trick became easier why are more people doing it? The mind trick became easier because computers, the cloud, software. So investing in anything other than that makes a little sense to me. And God bless people want to do restaurants and land-based businesses, but like the mind trick is expanding exponentially because because of the, the tools. Right. Right. We gave someone a hammer, and if you were investing in anything but construction industry before the cloud, you're nuts like build shit and the same thing's happening now, but with software at scale. So just none of the old world makes sense to me. So I guess I just got lucky, not because I'm smart, because nothing else made sense to me. Mm. I'm not even that smart. And that's why I try and tell people, it's like, God, not smart. <laughs> Reading enough, you'll laugh because you go, what an idiot. And he's making fun of himself. Right. And I think the best comedians or people yes. that we like on TV or movies, Maybe not entertainment because it's just so ego-based, but <laughs> the entrepreneurs we like the best and the investors we like the best and comedians we like the best make fun of themselves. Yeah, I think they not, not You can't trick people. And say, oh, he's me. Right. You know, you know like if, if Donald Trump makes fun of himself, it doesn't work. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, know, you know that if he could just smile and be nice, he'd have 60% popularity. He's, you know, 
So either he doesn't want it or he's just a complete asshole. And I decided he's a complete asshole. And, um, but with me, I'm not faking it. I'm like literally not, not that qualified. And that's the beauty of how this is working right now and why this next tsunami brought us the power of one. Like I should probably just have my own blog and podcast, which I do. Luckily, I don't have to make a living off of it. Right. <laughs> if, I, if I did, I could hunker down and do it from Australia, New Zealand. I built up enough network trust that I'd find 100 people that could help support me. Well, and you got tools like Patreon and, yeah. you know, uh, there's a million of them. I think that's that's the part where um, uh, I was, I was uh, speaking to several individuals in the last week. They were asking for some advice and they were there's nothing wrong with vision and, and macro, but they were getting so caught up that they weren't doing any micro moves. Oh yeah. And people that are focused on the macro are just going to end up unhappy. Yeah. And always Very. starting again because yeah. there's so much misdirection in the macro. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was an interesting, it was an interesting, uh, well, billions, right? Like if you can get yourself like, like Amazon, Jeff Bezos has to think in the macro. Yeah. Well now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, but there's only a few people that can do that. Great traders. And by the way, I'd rather be a great trader who understands macro than Jeff Bezos. Yeah, but Jeff Bezos is richer, but the macro guys live a way easier life. So I, I'm so trade macro. I'm so, so, so glad that you, you bring that up because, uh, you know, I was having a conversation with with somebody where we were talking about profit margins uh, with a particular company. I'll, I'll leave the name out. But it was when they were at about, you know, three, four, five, six million, their profit margins were huge. Um, when they got up to 100 million, their profit margins drastically shrunk you've got a lot of overhead you've got a lot of other responsibilities you're dealing with big box stores all these different things versus just being on online and d2c only and i was like isn't that fascinating how sometimes um we see people who it's i i need the validation i i'm in all these stores i'm doing all these things i'm doing all this stuff but if you look at the the micro i'm like what's wrong with making several million a year with leaned out operations um, that you can reinvest and, and, you know, move around and do some things with, um, and have a, you know, a different life <laughs> than, than the Mac, sometimes the, the, the macro for the visualization of like, look at me and look at my company. Now, Amazon's a whole other beast. I mean, he played in the micro for a while and was able to take step by step. Now you have to play in the macro, but I just, I find it, I just find it interesting where I, I sometimes think that their entrepreneurship has define this- macro, like, like micro is easy to find neighborhood, right? Do one thing. Well, the macro is just filled with like, Define macro. It's like your therapist. Well, let's go back to the beginning of your marriage. I'm like, if we're going to go back to the beginning of marriage, shouldn't we just start working right when I was born and my parents dropped me? Like, pick the pick, like, good luck picking. Right. If you truly focus on the micro, what can I do today to get one customer? Yes. I do my blog post today. What is my schedule? What's a repetitive thing that I can do? What's my uh, task list? What do, sorry, what's my routine? The sooner you can build a routine for yes. yourself, the well, better. It gives you all your answers. You know, I, when I was, I was three different people, I said, like, the answers you're looking for are in the steps you just need to take right now. Like, do this and do that. And and from the podcast, you you know, they were, they were asking me, you know, well, what did the podcast do for you? And, and they were talking about the monetization. I'm like, well, first of all, I haven't even monetized it. I'm like, now I turned into some business deals and some other things. I'm like, but that's not, you know... <laughs> You know, or or just key relationships. I'm like, I don't. I'm not relying on that. They're like, 
but they were so stuck in the monetizing and in the bigger picture of the big thing that they're trying to create. I'm like, stop, 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 stop. I'm yeah. like, you need these steps to like make the, to get the answers that you need to make these small shifts that help you build, you know, um, the vision. I'm like, imagine like a gigantic puzzle, like 10,000 piece puzzle. I'm like, you just got all the pieces. You just got to start like putting them together, you know, by moving. And the micro is fun. If you can, if you can really enjoy being there and, you know, embracing that. And I, I like that you bring up that, you know, this, this day that we live in now with like the, the power of one kind of a situation where it's like, you know, look, the internet allows you to get these hundred customers faster. And everybody's, I get it that I have hundreds of thousands of followers, but I'm like, honestly, I was like, don't pay attention to that. I was like the, you know, I was like the, the what really matters is if you have got a, a like a, what is it? Um, who said it? The thousand true fans. There's a whole article about that, right? Some time ago, 10, 12 years ago, the thousand true fans. It's like those people who um, they're your customers, you're working hard for them. They're giving you your feedback. You're getting your data. You're, you know, pivoting the product or service for them. You know, they also might be paying about, you know, $200 a month for your product or service, (laughs) you know, and you're, and you're really focused on handling fulfillment and learning how to really, you know, understand the fulfillment, understand the financials, understand the cash flow, understanding, you know, the, the operations. There's less overwhelm and crazy expectations of I must take this to a billion dollar company. And it's like, well, I think you should first start on <laughs> tackling a few hundred people, you know. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I'll give you a recent example. I'm like, you know, COVID, I'm doing my podcast and I just started it. You know, I had a good name idea. I got, because of the name, I got some, you know, just my network and I got a hundred podcasts under my belt. In a non-COVID world, I wouldn't have done it. Never, ever, ever. Now I have more opportunities. I'm not saying I'm going to keep doing it. And then same thing this summer is like, you know, I've been golfing forever and it just was so not enjoying golfing anymore. My son's so good at it and I have all these <laughs> friends and I'm in San Diego for the summer. Why the hell wouldn't you golf? You know, I'd rather work. That's how that's how much I hated it, you know? <laughs> and it wasn't that I, I'm not kidding. It's just so many things that I was doing wrong over the years. Right. And, you know, I'm come from a two dimensional childhood, not YouTube childhood. So I can't go to YouTube and fix it. Right. I mean, I can go to YouTube if I got my, if I got the mechanics better. Right. right. If I had someone helping me. So I decided to go to like the best coach I know, you know, and commit not to one lesson, but to like the summer. And I'm like, I'm just going to focus on, you know, fixing the mechanics so that I can live in the YouTube world going forward, you know, meaning take some videos of me at at the progression and really drill not just one lesson that's been the summer, just helping me enjoy the game more, you know, it's pretty selfish, but like if I'm going to do something selfish, like do it with the plan, and, uh, you know, the same way I try and teach people about stock market is like, it's not, it's easy for a moment. And if you catch it at the right moment, it, you get build some bad habits because it's not easy. So you got to get the mechanics right and you have to get uh, a lot right. But the best thing to do at any age and why not go faster is to get a coach. And if it's not the right coach, you know, be honest, get moved to the next coach, but spend money to accelerate yourself invest in yourself in all the things that you do and the best investment in yourself is writing it down and uh maybe reading uh, obviously and uh you know if you're curious exploring you know right now we can't explore as much so work on yourself 
Real quick question before I forget, and then I want to get to some other things I was about to say, but um, the name of your podcast, because I want my listeners to be able to find it. Yeah, then go to Spotify or Apple. It's Panic with Friends. That's right. They can search my name, Howard Lindzen, and there's, you know, it's really just about, started in March 10th, so right, right when I knew people were just, it was too late to sell. Like I tell people, you know, people should panic first. It's my number one thing. Like, hey, the s and is at a record high. Great time to panic. Even though I'm trend followers, this is the best time ever to panic. Right, mm-hmm. because you're you're panicking, thinking, "Oh, I should buy something." Everybody's making right. money. The, uh, you should be doing the opposite. If you're panicked, yep. if you're panicking to sell, really, you know, sell something. Like just if whether it's now in a fractional world, just sell a dollar's worth of Apple or a hundred. You know, sell something just to just so you. It's okay to panic. Like, don't even lie to yourself. But like, have some context. Like, do it at a little bit. You know, especially when it comes to money. Like, uh, you know, with your life, obviously get the fuck out. Like, don't take a picture of it and wait for it to explode or, you know what I mean? Right. But in a money situation, like in the market, I tell people, listen, if you're panicked, definitely do something to alleviate the panic. Right. Don't fucking go down with the ship. But if your panic right now is like, oh, NASDAQ's 11,000, I missed it at 4,000. Your proper panic would be, hey, you know, I was nervous at 4,000, didn't buy. So if I'm nervous at 11,000 and I'm buying, it's probably the wrong thing to do. Right. So, yeah, if you want to buy Apple at 11,000, buy, buy one one hundredth of what you wanted to buy. You know, I, uh, I saw a lot and of it. People need, need to train themselves. Yeah. Just, you know, not, not that Costanza, you know, do the opposite work all the time. <laughs> just, just, just practice doing the opposite once in a while the opposite of what your 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 emotions say if your gut is like i got to get in you got to trust your gut there's only you know but if you're doing it for emotional reasons try and do very small amounts because you're going to be wrong most of the time i think anything done with emotional reasons uh most of the time leads you astray (laughs) yeah like uh, like you know my gut was not to do this podcast interesting no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but the emotion of me said, "Let's do it." And now look at the mistake I've made. Huh. Giving you these secrets. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, you know, I saw the same with um the uh, with um, Bitcoin and with you know all the altcoins and things like that when the with the whole craze and and you saw people were like, "Oh, I should have bought it at four thousand. Now it's at seventeen thousand. I'll buy now." And I was like, "Uh." <laughs> it's like I don't know if that's what you want to do, and then sure enough, you know they got they got taken out some of them, um, right. you know, and it, it was just uh, I I lucked out with Ethereum, I lucked out, I was like around ten dollars, <laughs> so whether it goes up or down doesn't really. Do you uh, remember why you did it? What's that? Do you remember why you did it? Yes, I do, and actually it was around seventeen. I'll tell you, I'll tell <laughs> because I had a mentor who told me about it at seven. And was, you know, um, an experienced, very experienced mentor and told me about it at seven and I did nothing. And then at 17 said, hey, you know, it's up to 17. Did you do anything about it? I said, no, I didn't. He said, sit down. And I was like, uh, all right. He goes, no, seriously, open up a, an account right now. I'm like, all right. You know, <laughs> he's like, see that? You want to buy that? I was like, all right, well, how much? And, you know, he told me you know, how much. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> and he said, 
you like you know i had a very i have a very high trust for this individual very high trust and i was like all right okay and then i hit send boom and then like the following uh weeks and months ensued and i was like oh holy shit (laughs) so but then it you know he was like yeah but you know don't rely on that now continue to keep educating and keep understanding you know these different um you know coins and, and things and you know there's they had friends that got into bitcoin way way like you know back in 12 and and you know whatnot and um some loss but some were waiting for that next boom um they because they saw what happened when thousand was a high point in 1100 so when it dropped back to like you know 30 40 bucks a bunch of their friends bought in on that (laughs) and have since gotten out after this boom you know a couple years ago so um you know they so just experience they they saw you know to your point um areas where you know they did okay the first run years and years ago but they you know they saw where they could do something differently so they saw the trends and they knew that um you know no no need to panic and while things are crazily going up let's just be prepared and you know and then also know how to sell 40 percent of it <laughs> along the way yeah. uh you know so things like that um and then hold for for a rainy day so no no doubt the um the uh there's no one way to do this i just mm-hmm. only i only know what my way and it seems to be working there's no timeline everybody has a different timeline right i just would tell people now that i'm 54 that very hard unless you're just gifted or lucky or in the right place at the right time to get rich overnight and you know what warren buffett made 95 percent of his money after age 60. Mm. so mm. you know your best investment is just in yourself and so true trying to live to your 50 which means you probably live to your 75 you know yeah. and money will take care of itself so what? i don't know no you know I, I, I think it's 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 so true uh and, and as you get older you're able to turn experience into some wisdom in your decision making i'm finding at least and i still feel like a baby in the game Mm-hmm. Um, to keep me just really grounded and learning. One of the things when you were saying earlier about, you know, even when you invest it, you, you're like, you know, golf, it was this, it was that, but then you wanted to up-level it and then you invested in um, a coach for the for the summer. What I think is cool is like, it's, it, you know, outside of your work, doing another activity, um, like I investing, I've invested in a trainer uh, for the body right now. And it's- I should. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going through that whole, <laughs> I'm going through that whole forties thing. I don't know. I, you know, well, actually, and just, just wanting to, you know, the whole biohacking and age well, and you know, Ben Greenfield's book, Boundless. Like you're going through, I'm going down that rabbit hole. But the, the point being, to your point though, is it's funny doing these activities in other areas of my life, um, constantly help me innovate in the business areas of my life too, because it's taking me out of that mundane of uh, because as you mentioned it requires a lot of consistency a lot of routines and disciplines and things like that and um, but when we can apply those same disciplines and routines to other areas of our life i'm finding that it's very helpful um it a removes me so i can you know be doing something else and and um replenish but also um you know reinvigorate a little bit and think about things that i might not have seen it by being in it too much so, mm-hmm. you know, investment in self, I think, is everything what you're saying. I mean, especially and not and not just, you know, the because I think a lot of people think like, oh, so I need a business coach. I'm like, well, you need a something coach in any area of your life that you think needs some attention that might actually help in the the wellness and the joy and the, the peace in your life along the journey, because it's it's a journey. Yeah, it's a journey. It's a marathon, not a race. So, you know, it's easy to preach that now to people. But, uh, you know, I'll do it every chance I get. 
you know, I get to do it with my kids right now. We're working at home and loved, would love to be in New York. Um, but they can't. So we got to make the best of it for a year. Like, let's, let's just get through the year. And by year, I mean probably next year. So it's like you're on this one-year weird vacation. That you're working <laughs> on, something. but everybody's in the same boat. It's something. Um, now, uh, you mentioned Robin Hood earlier, and I would love for you to talk about Robin Hood. Um, I know a little bit about it, uh, but then I was also, you know, I was looking at your resources on your website, and I think it's really cool how you were telling people, like, hey, here's three steps, <laughs> right, now to think about from an investing standpoint. Um, since we're talking about investing, you know, but now talking about from a point of, of financial, I would love for you to talk about Robinhood, you know, give a little bit more insight into the, you know, into the software, as well as, um, you know, what you mentioned on the resources page about like, hey, look, like, here's how a great quick and easy way, not easy, I shouldn't say that, but like um, a quick way to think about how to get yourself more educated in this process and growing. Uh, you know, they, they, because of stock twits, because of, you know, you know, one of the benefits of being stock twits is people would pitch me their ideas, you know, no different than probably Jack getting pitched or Zuckerberg, you know, right. Everybody's got a different seat at the table, but my seat at the table for do it yourself investing has been stock twits. So for whatever underperformance, maybe from a specific company standpoint, I was in a good seat to see other things. And because of my domain experience, I knew I wanted to be able to trade from a tweet. And that was my 07 vision with Twitter. No, someone's just going to, that's Bloomberg. So, you know, it took forever. 2010, I'm in Israel talking about stock twits. And a couple guys were pitching a company called eToro. And I just walked up to him, right? Was, sometimes you just know. And I met him. And Yoni, I saw his pitch. And I was like, here's a check. Like, we're investing. And my wife and I, you know, met him. And we just invested on the spot you know, not checking much else other than I knew that was going to work. Mm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm actually, that's the one I'm most proud of because, you know, I'm in a foreign country. I don't do foreign investing. And it just, you know, it's 2010 and maybe, and he was, he would start already talk, telling me, oh, you should put some money in Bitcoin. Maybe it might have been 2011. So whatever when Bitcoin was at 12 cents, like his first response to me is, you know, Nice to meet you. You know, I started talking about Bitcoin. Uh, I was like, leave me alone. I want to invest in your company. So like <laughs> being right there, position just however I ended up in a room getting pitched by Yoni uh, was another one of those things that, you know, changed my life because I just knew based on what I knew and what I was seeing and had seen, he was the first one and at the right place at the right time to be doing it. And if he executed, you build a big business. And today that's, you know, they'll do over 700 million in revenue this year with like a thousand employees. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, we were in the first group of investors, you know? Um, and it's the lesson there too, is it doesn't, it's 10 years. Right. Now they're in 140 countries. And then I would always say, come to, is come to, you know, the U S you got to have a U.S. market. It's going to, you know, this is going to be the new E-Trade and just for whatever reasons, they just couldn't, get us going regulate it's just very difficult country back to us no one had really solved being a new broker dealer on the iphone and then the Robinhood guys hit me up in 2013 they were struggling pivoting and i was like saw the ui and i'm like you know called my partner tom and said well, hey we're just we're investing in Robinhood." that was kind of the executive committee meeting 
and we invested on the spot and wasn't worried about anything other than hopefully they can execute and build the product I saw and get the SEC and FINRA approval. So we invested really early, but they were just the right place, right time, right team. And that was an instinct based domain experience based timing. Uh, and we thought it was overvalued. I think it was at 8 million valuation. So our concern was, Oh, it's overvalued for the risk. And I guess, you know, the only thing we got wrong was that luckily we'd wrote the check. And the other thing I got wrong in that meeting was like, yeah, you could charge a dollar. <laughs> and they, they agreed with me and said, yeah, sure. Howard. And never listened to me luckily. Um, so it's not like I know what I'm doing because everything I told them was wrong. Um, but <laughs> my instincts around timing, yeah. the industry, where the competitors were, what people were doing wrong, what we were doing wrong, what I was willing to do, uh, I just saw it. And so, and I flew up for that meeting. Like I knew there was something there. And uh, they had Google Glasses on at the time. So <laughs> generally I don't, I won't back someone that would be that geeky to show up at a meeting, but everything, <laughs> everything just lined up and, you know, that was one of the best decisions I've ever made. So going to Israel, meeting Yoni and luckily, and then, you know, chasing up to see the Robin Hood guys, just, you know, doing everything that I had done to put myself in that position. Uh, I, you know, that's what I'm proud of. That's what I earned the seat at the table. Well, I, I feel like that's, you know, you hear these words, because the spiritual side of me, you hear these words, manifestation and stuff like that. And I always tell people like, yeah, but you did the work to. Oh, yeah, you, I did the work. You, you, just, and not only did you, I mean, the domain experience, I, it's sort of like, imagine to your to your point, I mean, here, I mean, because you've been in and around it so much and you kind of know what's needed in the market. It's like uh, if if you're constantly working on engines for a car and there's like a certain part that nobody has done yet for per se, or there's been attempts at it. And then all of a sudden somebody comes out with a part that you're like, that that I get it that yep that is needed I know that that's needed I'm around this industry so much that I know for a fact that that is needed now how it'll you know grow that's a whole other story but I know it I see it I might as well get involved yeah. in it and I think that that makes perfect <laughs> like you you earned every bit of from being around it from your from your own path and your own domain experience. Well, I have to keep earning right if I don't write yeah. every day and I'm not nice to people I won't get shown the deals that I'm supposed to get shown so it's still an ongoing yes always battle i uh i want to heard... to make sure i'm in the conversation so i have a different battles now it's like it's, it's so true you know people go why do you write I, first of all luckily i like it second of all i got to be relevant yeah yeah you know who writes the line like bob left sets for music and, and and fred wilson uh he's more lifestyle now so he's not he's writing just because he wants to but mm. you know yeah. he has big enough i'm brad feld and luckily that's my mentor and just the people that are great are constantly crafting and re reinventing themselves. I'm not a reinventor. I'm like a blunt. This is it, guys. <laughs> like, this is my last. Just I have one trick. And luckily, my trick is the biggest, as I knew, the biggest game in the world. And now I'm super excited is that the game is now being discovered by a bazillion people. Yeah. And I got lucky. Okay. Tsunami helped me. Uh, if I stay alive, I'm I'm lucky because there's going to be hundreds of millions of people onboarded to Fortnite for money. Mm. Mm. I don't have to kill anybody. There's no like, I can't play games. Games are stupid. Even if it was games for money, uh, the real game is me going up against everyone in the world. 
And Americans confront run the rest of the onboarding of the world right now. They don't really get it. Everybody's like, that's the part I'm trying to figure out next. You know, we're overvalued. The Fed's behind everything. The macro is right. weird. But there's about a billion people that are going to buy fractional shares of stocks. And which companies are they going to buy? They're not going to buy Exxon. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to buy the same things that you're wondering about. Yep. So the game is changing. Like, that's the beauty of the game. Like, is Apple worth $2 trillion? Probably not. But it could be worth $6 trillion because it's a rare asset that millions of people have never had ass- a- access to. Mm. I like so, it. Oh, oh, go ahead. So we're in this rare asset moment. Gold, Bitcoin, Apple are all different. One's, one's got no employees or product, right? Bitcoin, everybody's working. It's like a, it's like a god. <laughs> right no one knows anything about it gold we know millions of people die have died for it mm-hmm. digging and hauling and and then there's apple which is like a piece is the company with massive cash flow they're all three rare assets moving together at the same time they shouldn't be if you know the world should be the world signaling that the war is going on with gold and the dollar and um, interest rates where they're at and the rhetoric, we're in a war. So why is Apple going up? Because it's a rare asset. Mm. That is what I've been trying to teach people about this rally. I don't know much, but the NASDAQ is a rare asset. Go on, please. Carnival Cruise Line is not a rare asset in this world. Right. You know, so there's a bifurcation. Huh. Uh, JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs are just regular businesses. They're not rare assets. Square is turning into a rare asset. You know, like, I can't believe it, but it is. Twitter is not a rare asset or it would be going up. It's just it's just begging to be replaced. So you can just start seeing things in terms of rare asset right now. How do you define yeah. something that, I mean, Apple, I, as you were saying, in gold. Well, totally the price don't. tells you something. Right. Price like if you look at Square. Gravity and is defying any metric, just like gold and Bitcoin. Those, all of them have the same thing in common. What? You look at them and go, what the fuck? Right. Bitcoin like, is like, what is it? Gold is like, why? Yeah, I can't that's, lug that's it around. In one like, month. <laughs> the price is crazy. The valuation is crazy. So that is rarely happen. Maybe never happen. What like but when you look at something like Square, why you know, what made you think it just from No, I missed Square. I'm just anti Jack, like uh, philosophically. <laughs> so it cost me a lot of money. Got a lot it. of smart people. But in, told me in terms of it. calling them like uh, becoming a rare asset, Square. In terms of buying the stock, mm, like, got you. you just didn't see it as a rare asset. Interesting. And here the we rare are. assets just right now are, are just getting bid up. Doesn't mean it can't drop fifty percent. Right, it probably will because it's, it's rare assets still drop fifty percent. It's just it's rare assets are all going up together, and every other asset is sucks. Whether it's a Jordan card or a rare car, right, everything's going up. Yeah, it's true. It's inter- it's actually very interesting to watch. Yeah, no one's looking at it that way. No, that's and, yeah. And I have to look at it that way because I don't understand. I'm trying to figure out where the money's flowing, and it's flowing into these rare assets. Huh. Uh, and right now, what's a rare asset? A fucking boat and a um, uh, free weights because you can't get them. A Peloton ten weeks. Yep. There's you know anything rare asset. Where people are some of them will crumble quicker than ever because it's competition you know weights won't continue to remain a rare asset right <laughs> supply will come uh same with the mobile homes 
right? Yeah. Recreation vehicles. The supply will come to meet that demand and it'll be ugly because it's yeah, cumbersome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anything cloud-based, I, I can't predict anymore. It's like infinity. That's the beauty of cloud. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's what I'm saying. Like anybody yeah. investing in anything else, you're, you're confused. You're just making it harder. Right. I. But you know, that's I. I get you because like I, I've just never really invested too much in the physical world because I've just been living yeah. digitally for my entire life. Yeah, and I just got lucky. Like I said, I'm not a digital person, but I get it. Yeah. Yeah. We used to file stuff in storage cabinets, and then wow, you used to go to Staples and buy. It was like your whole life. Okay, right. let's get a storage cabinet. That's basically the cloud. It's like, oh my god. I wish, you know, kids today don't know what a storage thing is. No one has a storage closet with paper in it. <laughs> well, I mean, I do. And it's like, what an idiot. Who's going to come for it? So, um, well, you know, one of the things that I like that you were saying uh, uh, a bit ago, you know, that to stay, to staying relevant. And I thought that was really, really important because I once heard um, you have to work very hard to get it twice as hard to maintain it. Right. And yeah, in a world of travel, I guess I like COVID. I can't say that I don't like COVID because of the health crisis. You know, my son just went for a test. Like everybody's nervous. He didn't, he didn't have the virus, but he went. And so we're all on call and all stressed. But COVID's allowed relatively easier for me because I don't have to travel. I, people know me because I put in the time. So this is a, this, this is why I'm tripling down during COVID and working harder. You know, Luckily, I get to do that all digitally and leverage my network. People already know me. Right. And I think that's that's the the part um, that I think uh, some people miss in terms of the opportunity of, okay, if you're at home, A, the relationships you can have at home with your family and now also with your work and just being more digital, digitally savvy um, and using and leveraging that. You know, if I, I mean, I leverage my audiences, I leverage the the internet you know and i can technically do it from anywhere so i didn't feel at all shut down um at any point um but now is the time more than ever like i so i saw a flood a flood of your um people trying to come in and do content online on some of these platforms the way we had been all doing it for years and when i was on a panel a couple weeks ago and all of us content creators were all saying the same thing we're like yeah we pulled back a little bit not not pulled back from still doing the message. I'm like, you guys are late to the game. You just started recognizing that email is the cool new fun thing. Cool. You guys all just saturate the hell out of the market with all that content that we've already been preaching for a very long time and doing consistently for eight to 10 years. And while that's happening and you guys are also inundating the very people by putting out too much noise because it's all in one heavy you know, influx, we're going to be over here building for what those people are going to be looking for, for where we're heading. We're doubling down on our systems. We're doubling down on our digital platforms. We're doubling down on the, the, the infrastructure. You guys keep doing what you're doing because this is all new to you. <laughs> we're going to just kind of double down and build to where we're going. And every single content creator on that platform said, yeah, absolutely. Like I, like you, they were just preaching what I've been preaching the last eight years. So thank you. And you know, now it's time to kind of refocus. So um, and then uh, with Robinhood, by the way, uh, for anybody listening from the non, not the non-technical side as a, as a service, just a commission free, you know, it, it allows for commission free investing. I just want people to check it out because I want to get people more, um, savvy into, uh, you know, going onto your platform and just, and just learning how to, you know, think about their, their finances. Um, so a commission free investing, um, you could do both, uh, stocks and you can do cryptocurrency from what I understand. Correct. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is to do, learn by doing. Yes. Ride a bike, you learn by doing. 
YouTube speeds everything up. I get it. If you're if you're if you're the last twenty years, you got to use YouTube and TikTok and whatever you got to use. But learn by doing, and that involved. If you want to, you know, obviously it helps if you're a reader to be a better writer, and if you want to be an imbe- better investor, uh, even private markets, start buying your half, you know, fifty dollars worth of Apple or Amazon or the eight companies that you live with every day. Put your money where your mouth is and you know, cut yourself. Like you know, experience the joy of making money and learn how you behave when you're down ten percent or lose money because you don't know. It could be the greatest investor in the world. Now you have the games accessible to you mm-hmm. uh, and it's a human behavior game so you know it's like poker poker online poker was fascinating because you could pit uh, an impoverished kid in the philippines against the ceo of a public company behind a computer <laughs> true right yeah. yeah and what made poker so exciting is you all buy in at the same thing the market's a little different but now with fractional ownership you're in the game yeah uh. and i don't think people really understand that power and and the unbundling that's coming from people stupidly buying the same product in a world where they could really individualize. Everybody's buying the S and P five hundred, and it's like, why? Four hundred ninety five companies are kind of dumb. Well, you know, there's five companies that matter, and then go pick five different ones, but don't own four hundred ninety five. And no, you can, but then you're going to get market returns. And I'm like, when when did America become about that? You know, that's why people don't understand this phenomenon. I'm just so trying to, I'm trying not to, I'm trying to talk myself out of like, oh my God, if I got this right, it has to be the end <laughs> versus, you know, it's the Costanza thing versus I got this right because I worked hard and this is just the beginning. You have to kind of balance that. Well, I think uh, what a, an immense opportunity <clears throat> that you're, you're walking right into because of that shift of more people beginning to understand fractional ownership and um you know but think the yeah let you finish but think about blackrock all the guys had this fidelity they all knew fractional ownership was the thing because they built s p 500 how were you buying s p 500 with fractional shares these assholes or these corporations that could have dominated there'd be no robin hood should have just given that technology to people and they didn't and, they did. And that's why there's and a... And that's... They're dead. They don't know they're yeah. dead. It may take 30 years. Yes. They're absolutely going to be on bundle. Yes. Robinhood is the beginning, and eToro and crypto are the beginning of the unbundling. This is going to be so big a trend and so painful for these big companies. They're going to fight. They're going to tell you you're getting ripped off. They're going to try and stop Robinhood. They're going to try and you know, turn one... Right. or 10 deaths into the end of the world. They're going to say that they're stealing from you and that you shouldn't be allowed to gamble. You know what I mean? I do. You know, You're already it, hearing the mantra. They're evil. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're pushing the narrative. And, you know, since they're... The uh, narrative has begun. And the relationships with the media. The real so narrative yeah. it is Vanguard had this technology. They should have let you buy 499 stocks and 480 mm. stocks and take Goldman out of the S&P. They should have given you choice. Mm. Well, that's, you know... By the way, they could do this tomorrow. But this is but this is happening everywhere. This is this is in every. But industry. I only know what what's happening with me. Right. It's happening in e-commerce with Shopify. And by yeah. the way, and this is the pain. Like the guys who invested in Shopify sold at the IPO, probably. I know they did. And wow, they forgot to remember that this actually was just the beginning. Yeah. And ninety nine put a nineteen ninety nine two thousand put such a mental 
block on the great investors of that era that oh, once you go public, your job is to get out. Well, in the new era, once you go public, the beginning, beginning is happening. Yeah. And well, Bitcoin was public from day one. So and now you have SPACs. So I could go on and on and I can't. But uh, <laughs> hopefully I got people a little bit excited about I definitely got my. I definitely got myself excited. No, it, 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 what I love hearing is that it's it's true whether it's finance, whether it's um, e-com, whether it's, um, I mean, uh, direct, I mean, retail and now direct to consumer. I mean, this transparent shift and you're watching these old paradigms really fight hard with They're their narrative. Like a grandpa. They're yeah, they are. They're like that naggy grandpa. <laughs> and like the VCs who probably did Shopify are like, I can't, they forgot that the grandparent was going to get a Shopify account. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's and it's fascinating to watch because I'm like, wow, you really are resistant to change. Like you really like, and and, and the, the the funny part is, I'm like, you realize, in my opinion, if we're going for the whole conscious capitalism side of things, you'd probably make even more helping more people and opening it up more. Maybe that's the open source kind of approach. Well, of that's my- why Twitter screwed; is they just closed. Yeah, can't reopen. Yeah, we're seeing that with COVID. You go once you go three four months, will you reopen? Closing is just, you know, this is why crypto's coming. I can't explain it to people. I don't I don't have a hundred percent of my money or ten percent of my money in it because I don't I don't think I need to worry yet. Mm. There's gonna there's you know, if it's Shopify, it's just beginning. You know what I mean? Like if it's a real trend so early. Mm. So uh, well, one, I'll leave you with this. It's like great white sharks, you know. Uh, my last thing is, you know, tell young people it's Two things. Game of risk. You know, you don't win from starting in Europe. It's a board game. Flat world. You know, think of the as a startup in a flat world. You know, don't start in Europe. Don't be all things to all people. Don't have to protect 100 borders at once. You know, if you played risk, you start in Peru or Chile or you start in eastern Indonesia or eastern Australia. Right. And slowly build something and move forward and you know protect your wall and then start moving and the same thing with a wedge into you know your industry that you love it's always just one pain point and then in and then decide if you're a great white shark or a pilot fish right um i just knew i wasn't a great white shark so uh i want to swim behind them kind of like a pilot fish does eat for free you know full protection um pretty good life for for just knowing where you are in the food system and so you know i read great vcs and you know when i didn't buy bitcoin at 12 cents or two dollars or a hundred dollars but when fred wilson bought it and 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 at the time and mark andreessen and chris dixon i'm like wait a minute just you know it was hard to buy something that had already gone up a bazillion percent but it was the same time jp morgan and warren buffett were like this is rat poison Right. <laughs> yeah. So I knew if the great white sharks were moving it and the people that and they have a tendency to be correct. Right. They have no, you know, knowing that they don't have they have reputation only like they don't like putting their chips in and being wrong. So if they're talking about it and investing in it, you know, they're not they're not promoters. Well, they're they're cheerleaders. They're not promoters. So that was a good time to buy and when Warren Buffett likes it, we'll have to make a decision if that's that means time it's to time sell. to sell. <laughs> right. So there's a big fat trend in between when the mainstream likes it. Yeah, of course. The leaders and the early adopters. Right. 
early adopters usually dump to the <laughs> to the yeah mainstream. they either dump early they dump to them yeah they dump to them I should say some yeah. new toy so right. I like to live I like to read venture capitalists because I know when it's not too early yeah well I mean first of all thank you for being on the show I know you gotta I gotta wrap here soon or whatever but um everybody can they can learn more about you howardlinson.com um, you know, and there, of course, that leads to all of the other ventures, Robinhood.com, which I, I highly recommend to everybody. I'm actually, I'm, I'll, I'll be sure to make my, my, my account on your platform this week. <laughs> so or this yeah, weekend, yeah, yeah. I'd love to yeah, do it. Yeah. Stock twits, you can, if you want to hear me talk about stocks and what my portfolio, stock twits, I do it for free. Um, uh, and Twitter, I mostly just rant and goof off. You know, um, what I would love to see if you guys are already planning on this, or maybe you already thought about it, because I, I see learn.robinhood.com, <clears throat> excuse me, would be really cool to see, um, you know, just some, if, if you guys ever decide to get into doing more, um, like, just some online workshops around these things, like the platform and uh, investing and things like that, <clears throat> you know, video-based right, ones. Yeah. Are you talking about for stock twits? Oh, well, no. Uh, well, stock twits, you, I assume you already do, but I was saying with Robinhood, yeah. Um, any type of video, uh, uh, workshops, uh, if you do with either StockTwits or with Robinhood, I know that I can guarantee the audience would love my, at least my audience would love that. And as I would too. <laughs> so, <Yep>. you know, <clears throat> so that's amazing. So yeah, you'll have to keep us with it. And by the way, you're welcome back on the show anytime we can go down any, uh, rabbit hole that we want to go. Um, cause it's a journey driven podcast. So I really appreciate you coming on the show and, sharing all of your experience and uh yeah you know i look forward i look forward to the relationship as well too yeah i'll see you in phoenix when it gets under 100 degrees hopefully i god bless you for for being in san diego right now <laughs> it's a bit you work hard and you get these tr opportunities and my wife and i talk about it all the time she's like wow she's in phoenix working and i'm like you know i love you but we work for these choices and <laughs> I'm, gonna like, in, I'm gonna be in san diego like so when you feel like coming out maybe on the weekends uh well well, I listen, Howard. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Hang back for one second because I, I know you got to run, but I'll, I'll connect with you here offline in a second. Uh, and for everybody listening, uh, Howard Linson, L I N D Z O N, HowardLinson.com, Stock Twits. Uh, you can, you know, he talks a lot about his portfolio and about uh, investing there, Robinhood.com. But at Howard Linson, uh, you, uh, you can also find out about some of his other ventures, and there's a lot. Uh, you know, feel free, as you guys know, I always say, feel free to connect, you know, outreach to everybody. You guys know I answer every single one of your texts and DMs I have for eight years straight. Haven't missed a day and haven't missed a day of content and writing, but I appreciate all of you guys. Howard is the same. He's a writer. He's very, um, as well, and he's very uh, approachable. Just, uh, of course, he uh, <laughs> is a very busy man. So I always tell my audience, listen, just approach respectfully. Um, but if you have any questions, you know, related, related to entrepreneurship or, or finance and things like that, please feel free to reach out to him through those platforms. Um, you know, for my guest Howard and for myself and, and, you know, f for a uh, hustle sold separately, you know, you guys have really been making this, a um, you know, really move the needle. We're at about 4.5, 4.6 download million downloads. And I really appreciate all you guys and the, and all of the, uh, reviews. Thank you. Thank you. Truly grateful. And, uh, looking forward to many more episodes. We are out. <laughs>